0: Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Peter B. Parker. To my Miles Morales, it's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing?
1: Uh, the divorce is really taking its
0: toll. And well, uh, When I saw how tired you look today, I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> this is <laughs> You just look like... I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, guys. Oh no. I'm going to get another angry phone call from Brett. Uh, so, uh, and joined, as always, by our very own Spider Noir. That's right. It's Nicolas Cage himself, Eric Rondebeck. Eric, how you doing? <laughs> I, I
2: I can't say anything now. I, I had something planned out, but it, I'm just so happy. You're like, I'm going to hit you in the mug. <laughs> uh, there's two things I like. I'm not going to change my acting style because I'm Nicolas Cage. And this is what I do. <laughs> <laughs> National Treasure 3, come to theaters in 2021.
0: Put the bunny back in the box. All right, so we have um, – so. We haven't we haven't quite uh got it so our I'm gonna give the kind of the off season uh calendar uh we're gonna do some season review stuff um, talk upcoming strategy and then we'll go deep on our positional stuff starting in early March so I'm pretty excited about that but we had a we need time you know why because we gotta watch a lot, a lot of YouTube videos of college players that's what me and Kevin will be up that's to that's it it's a lot of um Nathan's got research some free agents I've got a I've got to watch uh cornerbacks from Washburn my favorite thing about when you search because I don't because <laughs> Kevin Kevin goes a lot deeper on the draft than I do I kind of get the first and first second third round guys I kind of knock out most of those and my favorite is like when you search like Greedy Williams all plays versus Alabama that's like your search because you just want to see like every play in one game yes you don't want to you don't want to see like the highlights you don't see you just want to see I want to watch how he did this whole game <laughs> and like that's that's always fun to try to figure out what am I going to search to actually get that
1: I and there's be, enough uh, draft nerds out there that that video exists, which
2: we live in a great time. I, <laughs> I will be deep diving on NFL trade rumors that will never happen, <laughs> which is why we never discuss We it. actually hit some NFL trades last year. like It was weird. There was actual
0: trades in the NFL, which is weird because yeah, the CBA doesn't encourage trading very well. So, All right. Let's start with our first uh, Seahawks-related topic. And that, that we, since we just talked a little bit about draft, let's head right into it. Um, the Seahawks only have four draft picks, uh, first, a third, and uh fifth or fourth and a fifth yep. thanks thanks Jeremy Lane uh so <laughs> Jeremy Lane's really bad at physicals Jeremy Lane's corpse he's uh, he's actually not in the NFL anymore but uh, um okay it's all blame JJ Watt it's all his fault <laughs> Do you get so you guys um if you're 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 John Schneider you're Pete Carroll what's your strategy heading in to draft day Eric I want you to lead off what's your strategy going into draft day how are you feeling right now
2: um well, I'm just going to go back to real life And looking at what Pete Carroll and John Schneider have done, they amassed draft picks. Like you said, we have a first, a third, a fourth, and a fifth. That is four draft picks through seven rounds. Uh, We don't want to go into too much how we lost it because it's depressing, but the Seahawks (laughs) are going to...
1: (laughs) For for some real roster (laughs) talent.
2: Rewind a minute. where We're making jokes about Houston and Jeremy Lane. Uh, They will amass picks. They will find a way to do this. And... There's some of us in the room that are scared the Seahawks are going to trade back a first round pick to amass a later second, later third pick. Uh, There's some of us that maybe are wondering if the Seahawks are going to mortgage the future a little bit like they've done in the past and trade next year's second round pick for, you know, this year's third round pick. Eric, what do you think they'll do and what do you want them to do? What I think they'll do is exactly what I said. I think they're going to find a way to trade back, amass more picks. So the get least
0: a... the least amount of draft picks in the Pete Carroll John Snyder era is eight. So That's I'll set insane. the over under at seven. I'll set the over under at seven and a half. Do you think the Seahawks get to eight picks somehow, or do you think they will and get to the draft with under
2: seven and a half, Eric? Okay, I'll say under just by pointing this out. Seven picks. That means they're getting three more picks. How are we getting three more picks? We're not getting any compensatory picks. I, I, I see us trading back our first round pick. So that's uh, that puts us at three picks. We will get a second and a third, uh, the late round picks. That puts us at five. If we trade back one of those third round picks, that's four. But we gain two more, like two late round fifth picks. That still leaves one more trade in there. Uh, maybe trade next year. Two
1: more because you got turn. Because each time it's two picks turning. I, do, in, one I don't. Turning into two. I don't. Yeah, do, that's why I go team down is, one and add two. Yeah,
2: and I'll say,
0: um, when you say some of us are don't want to strap first round, you're talking about me. me. I'm. Yeah, I don't want to amass late round picks. It's not my favorite draft strategy. Uh, but, but uh, the, especially like. Fifth, sixth, seventh rounders. Uh, I don't mind getting like third and fourth rounders, or like loading up in the in that area. The third rounders are generally
2: like the best round for the but Seahawks. Talk about a good value. What you talked about earlier uh, before we started recording, and you were you were very passionate that you don't like these late round picks because you don't you don't find the value.
0: Yeah, I just think that you know the Seahawks hit early on, like the early, in the early peak, Carroll John Schneider era. We were we they nailed a couple fifth, sixth, seventh rounders. And lately that has... KJ,
1: Dick Sherm, those uh, guys.
0: Richard Sherman, KJ, uh, jr Sweezy. Like, just, these guys that are, like are still in the NFL, kicking it around. And lately it's been uh, harder. Um, now there's guys that in the last two years that maybe are going to have a shot to premiere on Carson. But
1: in that middle period, we have a lot of like Ed Pinkins, uh, wait, what's that, Christian wait what's, what's that wide
0: receiver that I really loved? Kenny Lawler. Kenny Lawler. <laughs> ogum Guachum <laughs> But yeah, so it's uh, it's just... It's just been uh, a tougher, tougher road, I guess. Or it's just been harder to find value for us in those late rounds. I don't know if that's a product of like better NFL scouting or just, you know, you're gonna go dry trying to pick the 200th guy or the 150th guy. Like that's difficult.
2: Well, I want to think Kevin brought up a really good point. We were kind of arguing about this before the podcast started, and Kevin said, "I dare you to look at any other NFL team and find the." the good players that they've drafted compared to our players in those late rounds.
1: Yeah. That's Nathan's original point was we've been cold on the late rounds, which, you know, I said, well, that's what happens with late rounds, which Nathan made the valid point of exactly. That's my point. If other teams are also missing, which I understand what you're saying there. So my thought on this always has been, if you're sitting here, you know, what are we like? If we go the, back, are just, we the twenty-first pick? If we just
0: go back to like the twenty-fourteen draft, you know, like the fifth round, I think that less than half of it is still in the NFL. If we go to the sixth round, way less than half, and if we go to the last round, you know, there's like eight guys in the whole round. It's just the hit rate gets so low, you know, and it's it's yeah, it's cool. Like maybe you unearth Sean Henderson, like the like Buffalo did, or maybe. Maybe you get your your Richard Sherman or you know you get your I don't know Benny but, Benner. But Randy, it is but low odds. I, just, I agree. It's just it's just hard. You know you're you're, think, you're trying to roll you're trying to roll hot on the craps table. You know and I, just, I think
1: there's two th- forms of thought on this. So number one is um, the draft picks is lottery tickets thing, which I think we can all agree is true to an extent. You want to have more draft capital. Because the more picks you have, the more likely you are to hit something worthwhile in this giant crapshoot. We can all agree to that, correct? Sure. But what Nathan's saying is that a... We're talking draft capital, which is not just quantity of picks. If you own the entire seventh round, that's not as good as having one pick in every round. (laughs) And I think we can definitely agree on that. So... At what point are you losing value? For me, with the way that the Seahawks set up their draft board, what I think is very likely to happen, and what they've done in the past is, if they're sitting there at the twenty-first pick, and they're going, "Hey, we have these four or five guys that we think we have these four guys that we think are all top twenty prospects that are all still sitting," and somebody with the twenty-fifth or twenty-sixth pick calls up and goes, "Hey," We'll trade you a four to move back to uh the 25th or 26th pick. And we're sitting there going, okay, so if we move back, um, we're pretty much guaranteed to get one of those guys still. And if that's the case, I think that's a worthwhile move for the team. You pick up the draft capital and allow the uh draft itself to sift out which of those prospects is best. What Nathan's saying is, no, you just grabbed the best guy right there.
0: For yeah, for me, I I'd rather have the fourth round pick. This is, a, but
1: I understand why you would rather have the top guy. Like the, I, I get that
0: the top end defensive end talent, and the the thing is, our I think defensive end is perhaps our greatest position of need. Um, the top end defensive end talent in this draft is is absurd, and I think that one of these guys that should go top ten, whether that's like Ed Oliver, Josh Allen, I don't know, someone, you know what I mean? I, probably not those two guys, but you know, one of these guys is gonna fall. And we're going to be sitting there at 21 and have the opportunity to take a guy who has a chance to be a, gener- a generational talent, a, a, another Frank Clark. We're going to have a chance to get a second Frank Clark. And I don't, I don't want to pass that up and just get the guy that's left over. I want to get the guy that we actually like. Does that, does that make sense? Absolutely. And uh, I get
1: what you mean. For me, I'm sitting there looking at a guy like uh, Zach Allen out of Boston College, who I think probably is going to go later because he's a bit of a bigger body and so he might not be what everyone what's in vogue right now
0: at defensive end right or like trade back and get or byron murphy or dexter lawrence or one of these guys that everyone sees at the end of the first round that would be a perfect fit for our team
1: yeah or Um, the other thing is if one of those guys isn't there then maybe it's uh maybe it's in the third round you pick up like chase winovich or austin bryant who I think could both be really, really good defensive ends that are getting pushed down. Like those are guys who probably would have been drafted early in the second round a couple years ago, but because the top talent is so good, they kind of get pushed down. This is the this is the Tyler Lockett thing I keep talking about. Tyler Lockett got pushed down because there's a lot of freak athletes at wide receiver in that draft, and he went late even though he had a lot going on. So if you look at a guy like Austin Bryant or Chase Winovich, who played alongside other really good defensive line talent, they might be getting devalued a bit. And because their productivity was high and the way they won in college, it's something that should carry over pretty well. And so if I can get one of those guys in their second or third, and I get uh, uh, Oroarie, the uh, cornerback out of Penn State, where I get um the top offensive guard or right tackle prospect at the end of the first or beginning of the second then yeah, i like trade, to think about trade it back, in terms you trade of trade back two to the players.
0: middle you trade it back to this middle of the second round and you get Caleb McGarry, right like or someone of that caliber like a good solid player who is probably going to get picked in the I second i think you could
1: get like Cody Ford in the top of the first the top of the second and you could pick up like a good draft pick by moving from the middle late for, for if you move from the twenty first pick of the first round to like the fifth pick of the second round, you could get a good pick off of that. Yeah, you could especially the, with a team like Oakland who has a bunch of draft capital
0: where they could throw you a third round pick. Yeah, who's that defensive tackle for for uh, Clemson? The other one who's not Dexter Lawrence, uh, Colin uh, Farrell. Oh, Colin Farrell's the, the defensive end. end, and then Christian Wilkins is Christian the defensive Wilkins. tackle. Yeah, I was going to say, one of those guys is going to fall. Like, I don't or know Jerry which, Tillery out of
1: Notre Dame. I don't know was which was one. Really those good.
0: guys are really hard to evaluate when I watch Clemson games, because they're all playing on the same defensive line, and I don't know which one's the best.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm see, and that's I'm, I'm like, point. I think
0: Colin Farrell's the best one, but I'm not sure. And I think Colin Farrell might end up falling, because everyone loves Dexter Lawrence so much. But Dexter Lawrence had that... Has the character issues now with the steroids and stuff? I I think people might get gun gun shy about him. I mean, Nick Bosa, Josh there's Allen, so, and so, Quinn and Williams are going to go like
1: one, two, three. There's so after much, that, it's a crapshoot.
0: There's so much. Um, there's so much up in the air because of the combine hasn't happened yet. And like once these guys all get measured, it will shake. It will start to shake out a little bit. Like the cornerbacks is the same thing. Like I have no idea. Greedy Williams and by. Uh, Byron Murphy and some of these guys, yeah, these DeAndre guys,
1: Baker, Trevon Diggs, Orwarier, uh, yeah, all these uh, Julian Love.
0: These guys could shake out in a totally different order than I think they might right now. You know, yeah,
1: so, and safety really is the same thing too. There's a bunch of second round safeties. Like uh, Nazir Adderley and Juan Thornhill and Jonathan Abrams and Amani Hooker. What did we do with uh,
0: Gardner Johnson? I think Taylor Rapp's going to get in the first round. What do we do with Mike Holmgren? That's that's my take on that. He's way too good to get picked. I think safeties are going to drop in this. I think you get some really good safety value in that. Not Deontay Thompson. Hey, remember with if, Mike Holmgren. If he drops, I'm going to have the same opinion about him as I did about Derwin James last year. Why is no, no one way. picking this guy? Uh, uh, no, Deontay Thompson. Uh,
1: Derwin James was consistently productive. Deont- Deontay uh, Thompson flashed. Yeah, but... He,
0: like, that's, when, that's different them, to me. But the high highs are like... Yeah, dude, if that guy would have stayed in another year, he'd have been a top 15 pick, I agree. He yeah. jumps... Like, when he's good, it jumps out of the tape. You're like, whoa, no one does that. Like I don't know, it's it's crazy. The and I'd love to see him coached by Pete Carroll. Holy smoke! <laughs> like
2: All that right. guy. That guy. Eric, would come what are you up. desperately trying to get? Well, I'm just we no. We're trying you. to like not go into the draft, and you guys are spilling the entire draft board out. And it's I'm I'm back to my old role of like cooling it. Uh, when we got Jeremy Stevens, perhaps the greatest trade in Seahawks history. Just kidding. <laughs> He's <was laughs> so we, tall though. We trapped – yeah, and he had he had no character issues. Uh, he had no character. Yeah, oh, sorry. <laughs> that too. A fine, fine wife, though. Uh, just kidding. So we just can't help myself now. Um, <laughs> just keep going. So we had we had a what the twenty? I want to say like the twenty first round <laughs> pick that year. Twenty fourth round pick. We traded back for the 29th or twenty fourth round. Sorry, twenty fourth overall. overall. Twenty trade back to the late, to like late first. And I think we got a fourth on top of that. Is something that could happen this year because that would give us uh, an earlier pick. Uh, stay out of that second round. Still keep it in the first round and then double up a fourth. Nathan, would the, you be okay with that? Another
0: thing I like about trying to stay in the late first round or not, not fall completely out of the first round is the extra year option you get on the first round players. That should not um, be
1: undervalued, I agree. Yeah, that, Especially that's, offensive or defensive line, because it might take a year to develop.
0: There's very real value on like, hey, we get an extra year of this person. Um, the Baltimore's going to love that extra year of Lamar Jackson they get. like That's going to be a big deal. They're so they're so into that right now because they slid into the end of the first round and picked their guy and got one extra year of team control and one extra year of cheap quarterback. And the, the new wave in the NFL is how many positions can I get starter quality players at an excellent price, um, and especially quarterback. If you, the, the, look at the best teams in the NFL right now. They all have rookie quarterbacks except for like a select few, right? Um, because you're able to stack your roster a little bit if you have if you can cheap out at certain positions because you're saving basically ten million dollars. Like, <laughs> the easiest position to cheap out at is quarterback because it's so expensive to have a to have a top flight quarterback. It's expensive and, to have a mediocre quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the thing. seriously. Yeah, so the, the, I I'm a uh, I'm of the opinion like we need to figure out ways to get starter quality players at good prices. And in the first round pick, you get an extra year of your starter quality player. Hopefully, as long as you don't get enough Eddie. Well, so nice. if
1: we can <laughs> trade back to like. One of the last. Everyone skip four- my offetti dig. Yeah, that's because it's that's because it's true. Low hanging fruit, Nathan. So if we can trade back to one of the last four spots, for instance, in the first round, and pick up, what's the lowest round pick that you would value? Is it a four? I'd say it has to be a fourth or better.
0: It, I think that if you if you if we're gonna trade back and stay in the. F- first round we're probably getting a fourth rounder unless it's like the last pick of the third round and the last pick of the first round something yeah. like that like if it's with if it's with new england or something
1: and uh, i would be willing to do that trade unless unless like the guy like you know if derwin james was sitting there last year i'd have been pissed if we traded back but yeah. he wasn't
0: well yeah the, but the, one pick that guy for me might this year might be ed, Ol- ed oliver like I, er, he's sliding down people's draft boards and I don't really get it. Cause he wasn't productive in college. But, but like watching him play football is like, is sometimes so great. He is it's, very, very freak athletic,
1: but he just wasn't a productive player. So, and I understand. And he's also underweight for this position.
0: I think he's a, I think he's a outside. Right. right. Three, four outside. Uh, wrong, he's a three, four defensive end. Wrong body kind of guy. Like yeah. he's going to, he's going to get wrong bodied into the end, middle of slash end of the first round. And if uh, that happens, I mean, yeah, I'm scooping. Okay. Uh, Let's get let's get into uh, our second topic of discussion, and um, which is this. Uh, I've been looking at a lot of charts lately, um, like most division championships, mo- um, and so I noticed that the Seahawks have the fourth most division championships since re- realignment. Um, I've noticed that the Seahawks have made the playoffs the second most times of any team. Since the since realignment, your I next noticed, stat is my favorite one. I noticed that, that the think Seahawks the most. have never finished last in their division since realignment, and they are the
1: only team in the NFC to do so. Correct.
0: So here's so my thing is is that and Nathan, in, I'm sorry. What year was realignment? Ninety nine, two thousand two. I think.
1: Yeah, when Houston uh,
0: came in. Okay. Yeah. So so my so and my new Browns. So my thing is that. Um, Ninety nine. What does it What does it it mean for you guys? Um, are this to me, the Seahawks are building a dynasty or very close to being a dynasty. To you guys, are the Seahawks a dynasty yet? And if not, what do they need to do to take the next step and become a true dynasty? In my opinion, they're they're as close as the NFC has to a dynasty right now. And I think in them in terms of the modern NFL, you might be able to to call them a dynasty. So what what do you think, Kevin? Start us off.
1: So for me, I'm thinking about you have to look at it purely in the peak carroll era. So the home grand era was a different team. So this is from 2010 on. So we missed the playoffs twice in that era. Um We missed it in 2011, the Tavares-Jackson year, and we missed it last year. So that already says something. That puts us in a league of teams like Green Bay. Now you look at we made two Super Bowls. So that jumps us up into what? What are the other teams in this era of the NFC that have made it to two
2: Super Bowls? In this era being since 2010. Yes, it's about
1: 2010.
2: In the NFC, no other team. Right? Uh, what a uh, the Giants, Giants are too
1: old.
0: Too old. Yep, the Giants their are other one was Older. Um,
2: Carolina
0: had is the, the last mid- Super, Super was so Philadelphia, Atlanta, De- uh, Carolina, Seattle, Seattle. 49ers, uh, Giants, Steelers, Saints. Right. So no team has made it twice except. Or sorry, Giants, Packers, Saints. So yeah, no team's made it twice except us.
1: So the other teams in the NFC that have been comparable as far as a success streak would be what? Green Bay, uh, New Orleans, us, and that's about it. Maybe Those, Philly? As far as consistent victory. Philly bottomed out for a minute, though. That's uh, the thing to remember. Philly bottomed out uh, Chip Kelly's second year, and they bottomed out at the end of Andy Reid.
2: Yeah,
0: like old coaches do, do that. And Green-, and Green Bay had that one horrible year where, the- where Rodgers got hurt. Yep, uh, and it's called this year. <laughs>
1: Boom! Take yeah, that with yeah, They did have two bad years. Yeah, so they-
0: now they've had two bad years. Yeah, because they had another really bad year. Uh,
1: so yeah, because that's the other thing is you have to remember the Seahawks' two playoff misses were nine and seven, and seven and nine. Uh, they finished second in the division last year but missed the playoffs by
0: one game. By and no then, by one Blair Walsh. By by a Blairist of Walsh. Yeah, the Packers the Packers have gone 6 and 9, 7 and 9, 8, eight 7 and 1. I forgot about that season. They they <laughs> that was a crazy season. They love having ties, don't they? She <laughs> can't escape it.
1: Uh I would say so, this is the question that I posed to Eric. So, Eric, do you feel like this team is a dynasty?
2: It's hard, man. Uh, oh, honest opinion. I'm, yeah, I'll go honest with you. I'm, I'm not going to be sitting here like Nathan and say, I think they might be a dynasty when he started this conversation saying, they're a
0: dynasty. Well, I was going to wait for you to make your argument first. Oh, you are?
2: Okay. I, All right. I just yeah, because then I can ask you the dreaded question. I don't think they are. Uh, I think winning Super Bowls put you in a dynasty and i love your hold on let me get there i love your question you're about to ask because it it twists me in my heart but i will say this the fact that we did not win super bowl 49 against the new england patriots it's obviously the, the it biggest you sore feels. spot yeah it hurts my feelings damn it uh i got i may act tough but i got a lot of feelings and that game hurt every last one of them i feel that is keeping us from being a dynasty Go, go ahead, Kevin. All right, so... Make this dramatic. Winning Super
1: Bowls makes a dynasty. Correct, Kevin. So the uh, Jim down. Kelly, Bill Polian, Buffalo Bills... Why you gotta bring Bill Polian? ...are in not a dynasty. That is your claim here. <sighs> With those Super Bowl appearances, a dominant team in the AFC at the time.
2: Yeah, they were a dominant team, absolutely. They were a great team. They're arguably the greatest team in a stretch of years, because uh, I think that our 49 team might be the greatest team to never win a Super Bowl. Um, the Bills are the Bills are the 90s Sonics, man. They're the best team to never win it. Um, but I don't think that makes them a dynasty. Okay,
1: so then you think that the New York Giants of the Eli Manning era would have a better claim to dynasty <sighs> than the Buffalo Bills. Uh because they
2: have two Super Bowls. Life is a crazy thing, isn't it,
0: Kevin? They lucked into both of them, too. Okay. Or the Baltimore Ravens it's, of the Jim Harbaugh era. It's really how high the bar is for Dynasty, for you, for for each person, you know? Yep. It's, it's how high you set the bar, because... The, Obviously, there's one NFL dynasty right now that no one can argue with. The Patriots have been to four Super Bowls since 2010. They've been in the playoffs every year, and they have two Super Bowl wins. They also have 102 wins, which is 17 more than the next most team. So, yeah, I can I can dig that if you're like, hey, you know what? The Patriots are The Patriots also play in the worst division. The Patriots, to win their division every year, have to average 10 wins. For Russell Wilson to make the playoffs, to win his division every year, he has to average 12.2 wins. He plays in a, a – T.S. plays in a division that is two wins more difficult per year than the AFC East. So if you drop the Seahawks into the AFC East, yeah, we'd probably make the playoffs eight times too. Like it's it's a matter of opportunity. And so for me, I think it's close. I think there, there's, there's close.
2: there's close. that's a great have, argument. The Seahawks have
0: continually been great. And they are continually in contention. Even when people say that they're not going to be good, you know, they find a way to be good. They have 79 wins in four seasons, putting them fourth most. They have six playoff appearances in eight years. They're, they are a very good football team. Only, only three teams have two Super Bowl appearances since 2010. Uh, the, the Seahawks, the Broncos, and the Patriots. So, yeah, it's close. I think to for us to to really kick it over, well, we got to make one more Super Bowl. I think that that's like the, that will cement it. I think we have to win one more Super Bowl. That's where I'm at too. That will cement. That would put it in stone.
1: Because uh, if you think about the dominant teams, right? You've got you know the Patriots are the team of the 2000s. Uh, the team of the 90s was Dallas with the three Super Bowls team of the 80s was by far the 49ers. 49ers team of the 70s Pittsburgh Steelers um though early 70s you had Miami with undefeated season and the two Super Bowls Jim Kick the 60s Packers okay but what about the Colts Yeah Colts were good too so I feel like you can have more than one dynasty in an era but in order to cinch their spot in the 2010s see the thing that's kind of Putting a funny shadow on the 2010s is that this is the same Patriots team that was the dominant team of the 2000s, and it stretched into a second decade, which you don't
0: normally do. Another thing that's weird about the Patriots too is that they get a bye every year, so like and they play at home, it, so they they get to play at home all the time because their division sucks so much they get 12 wins every year. Uh, like a bunch of free wins. The Seahawks have the second most playoff wins of any team since 2010. They've won nine playoff games. The Patriots have won 13. Everyone else is behind us. So I think the point
1: differential is another thing to look at too. And that's something people don't necessarily think about. But from 2012 to 2015, they were plus 167, plus 186, plus 140, plus 146. So for comparison's sake, the 2005 team, the Super Bowl uh, – Team against the Steelers was plus 181. The Super Bowl team that won is plus 186. Like these are really, these are not just playoff teams for Seattle. That's a four year run
0: of. Dominant teams, and those are number one defense teams too. Those teams, those teams were all number one in Football Outsiders DVOA, and people wonder why. Well, how did the number one DVOA team only end up uh, going to two Super Bowls, and they ended up only losing their first playoff game? And it's because we had to go on the road because there was another good team in our division. We actually had to compete against good teams. We only got two division. It teams. The Harbaugh 49ers team, the Arians 49ers, Arizona team, and the Arians, Arizona teams were both good. They were they were worthy rivals. And now the Rams, and we outlasted them all because we are the dynasty, Eric and. They, they are dust.
2: Let me just say this. Wind. Let me let me just Dude. say this right now. You talk about dynasty over time. And as Kevin was going through the list, we talked about big Super Bowl winning teams that were dynasties. If you look back at the Minnesota Vikings in the late 70s and the 80s, people in Minnesota will say, oh, purple people, people leaders were amazing. No one gives a shit outside of Minnesota. And that is a sad fact outside of uh, outside of uh, we did win more County. Super Bowl for them than them though, yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely, and and that's that's a sad thing, Kevin. They've never won a Super Bowl. Because I
1: would say that that Vikings team is the team that you compare to the uh, um to the Bills. Yeah, yeah. But it's now, the NFC version. Here's the comparison though. Dallas, Dallas won Super Bowls in the seventies, but who's the dynasty of the seventies? Why well, the Steelers.
2: I, I, I think you might be changing up a bit because I think you can still have multiple dynasties. I think you can,
1: but I don't think people think of Dallas in the seventies as being on the level of the Steel Curtain. No,
2: but it did. Uh, it did help them become America's team. <laughs>
0: oh my Damn it! Gosh. All right. Um, anywho, <laughs> tribute to Shane. The <laughs> the um, we the had old, we maybe. had one more uh, we had a Twitter question, then we'll get into our our uh, full NFL topic. That's kind of goofy. Um, so at Joel David McNair, uh, honestly, a great memer makes me laugh a lot. Sends us a couple memes a week. Really good one this week about Jared Goff is really a mediocre profit pro- product of his offensive scheme. Uh, by the way, speaking of Joel of of uh, of Jared Goff being a mediocre pro- 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 product product of, of his, his scheme of a scheme. Uh, you you know the thing about him is is that they get off, they Do you know they try to get out of their huddle extra early so that McVeigh can help him diagnose the defense yep. while still being able to talk in his ear. That shit cracks me up, dude. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, Great man, quarterback. Suck. Don't he, sleep he on him. That's sucks.
2: what all the Super Bowl articles say. Imagine
1: if McVeigh had an arm.
2: Yeah, man, he'd be he'd, he would have been <laughs> Tom Brady. He'd, <laughs> he'd be Tony Romo. You know what? Telling That's, people how it's gonna a, go. If Tony
0: Romo could have landed on a team that had any good players on it.
1: That was my favorite onion <laughs> article, by the way, was uh, Tony Romo realizes too late he could have it's used his ability kid to, kid to diagnose a defense his whole career. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right. Uh, and he said, "If the Rams win Sunday, would you consider them the '97 Marlins?" And um, I was—I think the conceit—that's question—is question. Is did did they did they just push all in to win this year and without any regard for the for their future, their team? And the answer is absolutely yes. They totally uh, did. They yeah. also have a total shit owner, so they, they don't. That's too Miami. Yeah, I know. Because also, I could look back owns at my, this. He owns team. my favorite soccer team, so I'm well aware. <laughs> I could look of back at this team Stan Stan and say, oh, "Oh, that guy, Stan Kroenke, Stan
1: shit sandwich." Fucking sucks. I'm glad uh, he must be really an, glad that Dan Schneider exists. As, Ar- as an Arsenal fan, like
0: that guy is a shit sandwich, like a hundred percent. Okay, um, but enough about that. This is not from the from the Gooners Den. So the the that was my UK soccer fans are probably gonna come at me now because I like like the most generic American American soccer fan likes the most generic soccer. Team. I, um, but I've liked them since I was twelve. This is eighteen years of of me caring. So suck it. But. Anyway, it's been a Red Sox fan since two thousand. No, I fuck the Red Sox. Okay, um, the most we're, we're swear jar is just getting filled up right now. The, the we're in off season loop already. The thing is, um, you the window can slam close really fast if you're not like a, a true dynasty or maybe like an almost dynasty like the Seahawks. Yep. And so why wouldn't you just shove in before you have to give Jared Goff 20 million dollars a year, which he does not deserve? So
2: that's going back to paying mediocre quarterbacks.
1: Hey-oh. Uh,
0: they're in the situation
1: that Denver was in. Denver mortgaged their future in order to get their Super Bowl with Peyton Manning there at the end. And They got into one and they won one, and then the team kind of fell apart, they, they, but they had a couple of
0: pieces left. They decided to stick their arm in the window and say, we're going to hold this, this open for a couple of years. And Denver and is one of the other teams you can make an argument is like... Borderline dynasty in this era, like the 2010s. That's
2: they weren't doing a lot. They did that with Peyton Manning, and I don't feel like they mortgaged their team. They didn't go all in with just a bunch of players. The I'd like to
0: differ. <laughs> they,
1: uh, they, went out and acquired a keep to leave. They went out and acquired. They uh, had all these mercenaries on. Their they team, had a team, lot
2: dude. of those mercenaries guys stuck around for more than a, more than a they, couple yeah, they years. They stuck then. around for like two or three years. Which is, which is three which is years. What's going to happen with this LA team in is the LA NFL? The three year rule is long enough. I don't think those guys are sticking around. So the Rams
1: are going to be in LA probably this year and next year and so a lot of them were already in there for a year and that's about it so i would say that, that that's actually a really strong comparison for roster building so do i consider them to be the marlins no because they're not going to immediately sell everyone off as soon as they get the super bowl but are they definitely denver where they're trying to wedge the window open knowing full and well they got some seven and nines coming yes they are and you know what it's friggin smart. Like the Rams that's the right move.
2: So many people to play pay at the end of next year. Man,
1: it's gonna be the, their four fans are gonna be so
0: sad. That was good, Kevin. I liked it. Yeah, except for the Rams somehow have fans. All right, whatever. Okay, let's get on to our topic. How do you, Kevin? This week we were we got to see the joy that was the Pro Bowl. I watched no seconds of it, but I did see the skills competition and all the cool parts. You know, the, the stuff yeah. that I actually care about and. I saw that Jason Witten accidentally broke the trophy, which just put that a, was good. That put a bow on his fucking season. That guy's terrible. Okay, uh, I saw that. <laughs> uh, I saw that Akeem Hicks decided
1: to taunt a guy who throws a ball for a living to throw a ball at him. It didn't go very well. Yeah. Why would you taunt a quarterback in the dodgeball competition? Like he's gonna throw it at you, and
0: he's pretty good at throwing. Yeah, well, Kyle Williams was in the dodgeball game, so I don't think that. The- <laughs> Kyle Williams is, is okay. Kyle Williams looks like someone. Like, okay, I know he's really good at football. I'm aware. I've watched him play. He's good. But when you see him, like, out of the helmet, he looks like a guy you'd see, like, sitting at a bar and be like, that guy? Like, he's just a, a fat dude with a great beard. Like he Jackson's friend. I love him. Yeah. He's, he's good, but he's just like, he looks like, um, like, the, you know the um, Bloodsport, the Canadian guy that's friends with Frank Dukes? You're talking about Jackson? Yeah. He looks like that guy 10 years later, though. Okay? <laughs> Ten years later, that guy's broken down a little bit. I
1: told you in my grand remake of Bloodsport, I want uh, Jason Momoa to play Jackson. Man.
2: Yeah,
0: Jason Momoa, but like fat. Okay. My man. My man. Well,
2: you know Kyle Williams, Dude. he's retiring this year. So they were like, wouldn't it be fun to put that old man in dodgeball?
0: And they were right.
2: All right, so right. I'd
1: love to see Vince Wilfork in the dodgeball game. So, okay, here's the thing. He didn't talk so much Low-hanging fruit. <laughs> how,
0: <laughs> how do you fix the Pro Bowl? Kevin, okay, do you want me
1: to lay out the plan? I this have is a,
0: something I thought in depth. I've thought in depth about it as well. I'll let you go first, though. All
1: right. Um, so, what you need
0: to do is
1: uh, you need to take a page from the NHL's playbook. Okay, I'm, I'm with you on this. So far, we're on the same page. This is something that they do well because they split it up by division. Okay, um, you're
0: losing me, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why in a second, though, because I think we're going to have similar ideas. But I think my I've a I have a tweak on yours that might help. But go so, ahead.
1: Ten minute halves. Okay. Uh, Seven on seven flag I'm with you And you play it as a tournament Where each division has its own team Okay And then you use the skills competitions To break up the tournament You move it until after the Super Bowl So that everyone can play And you really cater to the players so it'd be like, okay, players get to like, uh, like design their own jersey, but you have to wear like the same helmet. Design their own helmet, you have to wear the same jersey, something like that. And you get to do like your designer cleats and stuff. You can do all touchdown celebrations around the table, like make it really
0: fun for them, so they actually want to do it. A disgusting act. And then and then have a um, cash prize at the end. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I'm with you it's except for one match. thing. One thing. <laughs> I don't like the idea of divisions because like like what earlier mentioned, like the AFC East sucks and I don't want a team of all pay streets. So here's my plan. We pick the players in a similar fashion to how we do now and the four quarterbacks, the two AFC quarterbacks and the two NFC quarterbacks, each get to pick their team. In secret, because we all know the offensive linemen are going to get picked last, and so we don't we don't want to deal with that, you know what I mean? But so then in secret, they pick their teams, and then they come out, and we play a four-team tournament with those four teams, like Team Wilson, Team Breeze, or Team Trubisky, or whoever the NFL you is. you got to put some guys. rules in there we, to team, team include Brady other teams, team lock. though.
2: Okay. Because if Breeze is going to pick mostly Saints... Wait, wait, sure, if, Breeze wait. is going to pick most
1: Saints? Who cares? That idiot. Here's something else that would be really <laughs> dumb. What if you did it, the two Wests... The two norths, the two souths, and the two easts. That's fine. I can deal with that. So you too. do pure regional. Yeah, that's
0: fine with me that'd too. That'd be that'd be really dumb. I'd love it. Um, but the, the thing, uh, I my wanna, goal is to make this so dumb it's compelling. The thing I want to see though is that I want to see be like Doug Baldwin covering Richard Sherman on defense, or like I want to see uh, an offensive lineman running a route. Like that's the things I want to see. I don't really care about like they don't play in the football game. They don't even ta- rarely tackle. You know, like they. Ta-
1: well, and no one wants to hit or be
2: hit in the Pro Bowl. <laughs> right? it's like, it's except for, for so, Cam so, Chancellor. And he's look at this! Now. Look at this hit Russell Wilson took. And the guy shoved him in the back. And I was like, that's not a hit. Yes. Like, you got me worried for a second. Dude, just make a flag. It sounds like we both, uh, we all want it to be fun. Because right now the Pro Bowl is not fun. It looks bad. It's not compelling. The optics of it are horrible. Yeah. I want
1: it to look like MTV's Rock and Jock uh, softball yes. tournament. Yes. yes. That's what I the want.
0: Ce- you want it to be more like the celebrity All-Star game. Yes. And less of the actual All-Star game.
1: Yes, because
2: that would be fun. You know what? I'm going to say it. I want Dan Cortez on the Seahawks.
0: One thing I thought too would be fun is if <laughs> Thanks, like Kevin. you take like one retired player and they're like the make coach, them the coach co- player coach, they're gonna play too. So like Emmett Smith has to go out there and try to do something, and he's just like broken down old no. man. You know?
1: I want to make him coach, but you're mic'd up. Okay, that's but that's good so too. So like so That'll like they could just like go into the coach audio all the time. Yeah, hello they,
2: Dion
0: Sanders, seven on seven with subs or whatever. Uh, a, no kickoffs. No, no kickoffs. And then, not. so this is well, my... It's like football rules. you got to narrow the field and stuff. So that's my other it. thing
1: is, uh, this is my idea, and I think that you liked it because we were talking about this earlier. So what you do is, because there's always special teamers, right? So oh, at yeah, the end of the, of the half, oh. um, you have the kickers have to try a 50-yard field goal at the end of the half and the end of the game, and that score gets tacked on. So, like, it could come down to that. Or what about, like, punter horse? And the punter, no, the, that's that's the skills <laughs> that's competition is That's horse. a good idea, though, right? You have trick shot punting, but uh, just because
0: I want Dixon to win every yeah, time. Yeah, I was going to say, Dixon's the king of punter horse.
1: But uh, <laughs> that's, that's a great phrase. Um, and then the other thing is the punters have to punt to the other team's return specialist, right? But this is where it gets cool. They then have to run an obstacle course after fielding the punt, and hang time counts against their obstacle course time. So the punter has to try and hang it as far as they can. Then the person has to field the punt and run the obstacle course with the ball. Whichever one gets back first gets a two point, uh, like, get basically a two point conversion added to their team score. It's really dumb. You'd have to have simultaneous camera following two punt returns at once. It would be
2: the worst, and I would love it. It's and you like do that American, at the end of the half. It's like American Ninja Warrior.
1: Yes, exactly. Went, it would be works. it would
2: be ridiculous. That's the thing. I would rather see a Ninja Warrior than the Pro Bowl.
1: So and then so skills competition. <laughs> you have to add an offensive and defensive line catching event. So a pass catching event using offensive and defensive linemen. Ugh. That should be a skills event. And the other thing is now that you have these all star teams that are changed around. You do it like the Olympics. So you're trying to like score points in every event and then a team gets like the most points. <laughs> so you're like, "Oh man, the the North squad got the most points in all of these stupid events. The North squad is the overall champion." Because oh no, why not? No.
0: <laughs> oh no
1: okay like i'm saying just like what go should... all in on the stupid
0: yeah it should be it should be silly it should be more fun um
1: uh, and it should sure. be something where the players want to bring their whole family down there so the wise and the kids can go hang out on the beach in hawaii
0: and that's why they put uh, it in hawaii don't, for hey, don't put it in hawaii but that stadium sucks uh,
2: put but, it, you it in know, florida
1: okay put it in florida but put it somewhere nice so that all everyone wants to bring their family down there the players want to be down it's there. in
2: orlando every year for harry potter world yeah buddy.
1: sure whatever um but that's the thing is they, they need to make it so the players want to be there. So making it fun for the players. Because, yeah, every corner wants to be a wide receiver for a game. And every wide receiver wants to show that they can shut down the corner. Like, every offensive lineman wants to catch a ball. Every defensive lineman wants to be a running
0: back. Yeah. And so just do it. Let yeah. them have it. And exactly. then they'll play. But if you let Von Miller play running back, he's going to be stoked. Um, Von Miller got to do the, the accuracy competition. It was great. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um yeah. Okay. Then the uh, so send us your wildest idea to fix the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl is uh, is probably irreparably broken. And like Kevin said, always the, has to be played in sandals. The the, NH- <laughs> the NHL figured it out. The NHL they had the they had the they had it pegged right like they figured out how to make it i don't even care about hockey but i tuned in for the skills competition for nhl because i thought it was fun like i mean hardest it, shot it, i've been watching that forever when it, they they sit there with the timer dish fastest skater and like that the accuracy thing where the demo the girl from the olympics the demo girl won and they had to <laughs> everyone got mad and they're like you got to pay her you got to give her the prize too yes and, and CCM ccr was like okay we got we got you or whatever <laughs> uh the, the the stick company that was sponsoring it yeah so yeah the, i think that stuff like that is really neat um okay so, that's it for that topic. If you have a great idea to fix the Pro Bowl, send us a tweet. Uh, tweet me, won't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Eric, Eric's classic callback phrase. Um, if you want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, there are many ways to do so. But the easiest way is to open your hearts and wallets to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. For as, for as little as $1.24 a month, you can get access to our exclusive extra content, including uh, picks, podcast, gambling advice, podcasts. Uh, little short youtube videos uh lots of stuff like that for as little as a dollar 24 a month that's about 20 cents a day you can feed this podcast 20 cents a day that's way less that's four cents a day bro math Math, is hard the power of math okay (laughs) man y'all are teachers (laughs) forrest richard tom (laughs) lucas carrie chuckatilla kieran brett mike david mirza keith arthur (laughs) frank michelle and Nick, Josh, Michael, Matt, Brian, William, Russell, Zachary, Kevin, Cody, Kimberly. All right, got them all. The, you guys are helping out the Seahawks Miss podcast, and we thank you so much. If you would do not have any money, you're you're broke. You're broke as a joke. You're like us, and you want to su- still support the Seahawks Miss podcast. Head over to iTunes. Hit us with a five-star review. Give us five stars on wherever you get your, uh, your Seahawks podcast, um, whether that's Stitcher, SoundCloud. We're now on Spotify um i don't know so, so no one told me we weren't on spotify and then i was like well that's like one step for me to do it i thought we were already on there this is why you got to let me know if you listen to your podcast somewhere you found this somehow and you're like hey i wish we that, that the seahawks nest was on blank okay then t- tell me let us w- fill in your blank i will fill in that blank nice. it is it is not hard for me to do that just so you guys know
1: we're teachers we're good at filling the blank.
0: All right. Um, now, finally. Let's get into uh, the Seahawks Nest Movie Club. Everyone's favorite time to turn off the podcast, do or we have time to do two or movies, or tune in. No, we don't. Uh, so, so the first um, movie. So we watched two movies this week together. Uh, Me and Eric saw a movie together and then Kevin saw it over the weekend. With the family because it was a family type movie. And then um, we all watched together another movie. I think
1: we'll move the second movie into next week and we'll talk about... You want to move the movie? We'll talk about the
0: family movie this time. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought too. So uh, we are going to talk about the movie that we all saw in theaters in a theater near you. It's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. If you have not Uh, seen it,
1: pause now. Go see it. And, and come agree. back and listen to the I, rest. I, I think that... The, that because site, it is one of the best animated movies of the last 10 years.
0: Yeah, it's... I think you can really put it in the... It, it's up there with, like, Coco and WALL-E and, like, the other Ratatouille and whatever your classic animated movies are. This movie does do, it is on that Mount Rushmore. It's in the pantheon for me of, like, the greatest animated movies that have come out since the, the new millennium. Uh, yeah, I've added it to my top five movies of 2018
1: to tie back to i put it
0: second it was it was really hard for me to decide between this and widows but i went with the movie that i think had a stronger like emotional impact on me that they they were functionally tied to me
1: and for the same reason i have it second to burning because burning hit me a little bit harder but uh this was a really really good movie so let's go to our resident comic book nerd that's me eric what did you think of this movie and why did you love it
2: Let's go back. Let's go back a little bit. When this movie was announced, I didn't want to see it. I thought it was a cash grab. I was like this is uh, this looks really weird. I was also the, non-stoked. I, the, I agree. The few clips I saw from the animation made it look cheap. <clears throat> Fast forward to when the movie came out and all my nerdy friends are like this movie is the most amazing movie. It's so great. You will weep tears of joy and it's it's great blah blah blah. And I still didn't like it. I was like, no, you guys are all just Marvel fanboys. You can all suck it. Until it could not be ignored anymore. And so Nathan calls me up and says, hey, you wanna, it's your birthday. Uh, in a couple of days, you want to go see this movie? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And man, I was blown away. I loved it. It is my favorite film from last year. Now, I don't uh, keep up to uh, the movie watchings of current films as much as you guys do. But I I watched more than I thought, and this movie was number one for me. I loved it. It has everything I want in a movie. It was uh, cathartic. It was fun. It was sad at times. It was happy. It was was hilariously funny. No, it was tight. I'd say the only part that kind of drugged for me was the final act, Uh, only because it was just a lot of uh,
1: because you knew where it was going and you're waiting for it to get there.
2: Kind of, and a lot of special effects over and over, where I kind of thought they could have maybe. Uh, toned it down a little but these are all nitpicks also the soundtrack is just awesome i have a question that that adds to it does oh when the,
0: the, the apache when they put that montage to apache that was so good yes yes um okay the um There's so many good musical this,
1: moments it was just blended
0: seamlessly does, into the whole thing how does phil lord how is everything he writes so
2: fun <laughs> like, like i don't know another way to put it but he just gets it that's like, really honestly like, he,
0: everything he writes is like has this like
2: he's very selective about what he does he, has and... the, he has, but he
0: makes so much stuff still like i don't know he he he's what he's made he's a lego batman uh 22 jump street 21 jump street uh spider-man solo uh
2: a chance meatballs like, which is a very underrated movie Cloud with a chance of Meatballs yeah it was a charming movie it was a charming movie exactly um, yeah.
0: Okay, so he he does all that stuff, but he's just everything
2: he does has like this like sense of like joy to it that I just think is very. Like this is not a dig at James Gunn, but a lot of people say James Gunn is he's the best director who's done this and that. He takes really obscure property and he makes it interesting, or or things people forgot about and kind of brings it up back and says, "Isn't this cool?" Uh, and that's what I'm not gonna I think it's really great. But uh, Phil Lord has, like you said, it's just everything's fun. It's put together in a uh, in a in a good presentation that makes it fun and I don't know like Kevin said charming because into the spider verse certainly is charming. There's so many
0: things going on in this movie yet they always keep everything threaded through Miles in a way that makes it feel like a cohesive story. There's, it never gets
2: away from Miles. There's like
0: there's like there were so many opportunities for this movie to just go off the fucking rails because they
1: were doing a lot go crazy. But like you said they had a focus. The other thing there were so many little pieces um the way that the music was threaded throughout, uh, so m- music was part of Miles' life. He always had the headphones. The music was ambient throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. It
2: was constantly a thing. It's kind of hard to tell where the score ended and the hit song began, sort yes. of thing. Yeah, and then you take a look at it, something like the graffiti
1: art. The graffiti art was a part of his life, and the graffiti, far- the graffiti art, and that style, that stylized art, was everywhere in the movie. There was so much like, like, kind of grungy street art, yeah. in the way that thought- so many things were shot. It was a
2: prevalent theme. It was beautiful. They reused the they had- colors from the original graffiti that happens in the movie throughout the film. Yes. I thought that was uh, a great touch.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of heart in this movie, like what you guys are saying. Like, it was obvious that they cared a lot about what they were doing also the 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 casting of the voice casting is really good so Um, good Mahershala Ali is awesome in this movie not huge names Um, Liev Schreiber (laughs) there's tons of huge names John Mulaney not
2: huge names these are oh they're
0: like like names you know but not they're not
2: blockbuster names right Ben Affleck did not voice (laughs) Spider-Pig thank god John Mulaney did. John Mulaney rules. Yeah, he rocked it. John yeah, Mulaney. They were correct choices. John
0: Mulaney as a, a pig who carries a cartoon hammer around for like the whole movie is the greatest casting of, of all time. You guys,
1: you guys do know that Spider Pig was an actual thing before yeah. that, Spider Ham. Right? Oh,
0: yeah, Peter is. Porker. Yeah, these are all actual things. A lot of people did yeah. not realize the Peter so Porker people, thing. That's true. People, uh, te- people uh, have tweeted. So there's two other famous Spider-Man kind of meme spider mans that were in this movie. Uh, people tweeted Phil Lord, "How much does this movie have to make for us to get Spooderman, which is like a famous YouTube joke, yes, uh, where it's a computerized voice and like a really dumb-looking Spider-Man uh, that to get in the movie and, we and, need and its favorite also Japanese Spider-Man or Spider-Man. Spider-Man. That's uh, got to be in there. I was and Phil Lord said. If this movie makes $250 million domestic, which we're not even close to, but... but um, Yeah, 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 wow! Spider, Spider-Man Spider Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, that this, Okay, so I don't want to turn this into about Spider-Man, but that show is amazing. Uh, $169 million is what we're at now. We're never going to make it, but this movie was great. You should see it as soon as possible. Walk, don't... Uh, run, don't walk. Uh, go out. Tell everyone you know. Uh, take everyone. I can't imagine someone just being like, this movie was hot trash and I Yeah, if
2: anyone it. didn't like it, we'd love to hear from you. Nicholas Cage is in this movie 51 and people on Letterbox
0: movie. rated it a half star <clears throat> and I would like to call those people dumb. Okay, all 51 uh, of you don't please at me, you're stupid.
2: Yeah, those 51
1: people uh, congratulations, Edgelord.
0: Yeah, it's like you're just trying too hard to, to, to hate
1: something. I, I can't wait to see what you rated The Godfather because it was probably also a half star.
0: You are so unique.
2: Liked it better when it was called The Sopranos.
0: Uh, this is the best Spider-Man movie, I want to say that too. That uh, is a no contest. Low bar. A, yes. A, uh, a
2: callback Sp- to Kevin Garber. Spider Man 2 and Spider Man Homecoming are both good movies. Yes. Hold on. Kevin Garber, about three weeks ago, when we were all packing up to leave, Nathan left the room, and Na- Kevin just said for some reason, because we were. We talked about Spider Man. He goes, "Yeah, I rewatched Spider Man like last summer, and it does not hold up." Spider Man One is like, and, a it, very, and I very watched movie. it last week, and no, Kevin, it does not hold up. Mm, nope. Spider Man Homecoming, I
0: agree, <clears throat> is probably the best live action Spider Man movie. It's good. That or Spider Man Two. Spider Man Two is
2: is not that bad.
1: It's better than Spider Man One. It was fine.
0: Yeah, Spider Man One
2: is. They're uh, like Punisher movies. Take it or leave it. None of them are great. They all get better as they go on.
1: But this was the best, and this one I think was the truest to um, Spider Man.
2: Like the, the uh, overall nature, the feeling. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, the Stanley cameo was excellent. By the way, that was that was a very fitting Stanley
0: cameo.
2: Did you stay for the after credit scene, Kevin? Oh yes. Oh good. I'm and so that glad. was a
0: very enjoyable after credit. Do you scene. know? Do you know who voiced Spider Man twenty ninety nine in the after credit scene? No. Oscar Isaac, aka oh! Poe po Dameron. Uh, so that that, that, that hints that if they do end up making another one of these, which it made a lot of money, so they probably will. And it it uh,
1: looks like like they set it up to, to be able to do that in a way that would be very charming. They
0: will have. Um, yeah, that's that's a that's a pretty big name actor. They've already got kind of attached and to, and I would continue the story. Day one, opening week tickets that Spider Man twenty nine nine. His suit always kind of makes me mad. Like I hate it, but but I like. I would want to see what they do a, with it. It's though. Oscar Isaac, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go for that. That's pretty cool.
1: Uh, I will say the other thing is, and I was talking to Eric about this on the way over on the car. Uh, this movie made me desperately want a Static Shock movie.
0: <laughs> I don't know. You kind of got it because he has electricity powers and. Uh, yeah, I know, but
1: I'm saying like Static Shock is an underutilized. It was, it was a what if for Kevin. DC only uses their uh, their franchises. I don't care about as much, and I would like them hey, Kevin, to use more of it. We things. live in a
0: world where Aquaman made over a billion dollars worldwide, and I'll say. I haven't
2: seen it, so I'm not going to judge it at all. You have to say, give me a Booster Gold movie or give me Death. I think we all can say the same thing about that Aquaman movie, having n- none of us seen it. My man! My man! My man! My man! Uh, I will say, he's a very charismatic gentleman, and
0: I like James Wan, so I'm probably going to have fun watching it. I I just can't imagine I won't. It seems like it will be fun and empty. Uh, I, I can't imagine it. I, I had fun watching Venom, so I can't imagine I won't have fun watching Aquaman. It'll be a really fun like two two uh, two and a half stars. Venom, though. Can I just get my one minute here about Venom? Okay, that movie's hilarious. It's—I don't know if it's supposed to be. But I, <laughs> I had—I was la- laughing and shaking my head the whole time. If
1: they did not mean for that movie to be funny, they screwed up.
0: So I've heard that that um that Tom Hardy wanted it to be a comedic tone, or no, the director wanted it to be a comedic tone. Tom Hardy wanted it to be a serious tone, or or vice versa, or switch that, and they kind of just caught caught in between it. Um, well, all the serious parts ended up funny. So best best thing about Venom is when the symbiote made out with uh, with Tom Hardy. That was the best part of the movie.
1: Really, I thought it was when they both talked about how big of a loser they were.
0: That's no, that's why Venom likes Tom Hardy. Yeah, I know. I'm a big loser like you. Yes, um, it's a weird movie. It
1: is a weird movie.
2: <laughs> I may see that when it hits TNT in three years. Three years? I think you're three months. All right, it'll what? be on
1: FX by the end of the year. For
2: Eric,
0: <laughs> for Kevin, we will see you next week and go Hawks. The good times.